Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. We're so glad to have with us Pastor Bob Guerrero this morning, and he's going to come and bring the Word to us. Put your hands together and welcome him as he comes. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How's everybody this morning? Good. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to bring forth your word. And Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would move through the sanctuary this morning. And even for those who are watching by live stream, Lord, I pray that hearts and minds would be touched, Lord, by this word that you've put on my heart for your church. So I pray your anointing and your power. And I pray, Lord, that each and every one would receive the word that you have given to me for this church. In Jesus' name, and the people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, the title of my message this morning is called The Changed Heart. And it's a message that's been recently weighing very heavy on my heart for the church. And, and the Apostle Paul spoke these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So I, I want to talk to you about the changed heart and how very important it is to change once you ask God to forgive you of your sins and you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, I'm, I'm talking about what it means to be a new creation in Christ. You know, we have a lot of people today who identify themselves as Christians, which, by the way, means to be Christ-like, and yet many of the people around them cannot see the difference between them and the rest of the world. Now, while they may have obeyed the Lord at some point in water baptism, which every Christian should do, some seem to have missed what water baptism really represents. You know, they gave a public testimony of their faith in Christ. They went under the water, symbolizing the death and burial of the old man. They came up out of the water, symbolizing the birth of the new man, risen in newness of life with Christ, but they haven't truly changed their hearts. And unfortunately, they keep revisiting the same old sins, they hang around with the same old crowd, they speak the same language, go to the same places, and they still harbor grudges in their heart, non-forgiveness, and then they practice the works of the flesh instead of the fruit of the Spirit. They don't seem to understand that repentance means turning from the direction you were once going in to a completely new direction, a completely different direction, that before men can change, hearts have to change. That's why Paul said, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Do you notice those words? If you're in Christ, you are a new creation. doesn't say if you're in Christ, you may become a new creation eventually. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. It's simple. And you know, I hate to tell you, but if you're not a new creation, then you're not in Christ. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it's not humanly possible to have a real encounter with the risen Christ and remain the same. When you accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit moved in and took up residency in your heart, your life had to have changed. But if there's no change, if you're, you're the same and you're still the old man, chances are you may have accepted Christ with your mouth, but not with your heart. 
Romans says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And I'm sure that I have a room full of witnesses right here, many who would say and testify, Jesus has changed my life. I'm no longer the same. Now, now we know that, I hope you know, but if you don't know, you're going to know now, that a large percentage of churches are no longer putting emphasis on repentance and the changed heart. You know, they're, they're too concerned about who's going to get insulted and leave the church, so it's better to just stay away from the message of repentance and a changed heart, even though Jesus put tremendous emphasis on both. In fact, the heart and soul of Jesus' teachings was to change our hearts and repent and to learn how to love and forgive. And it was, it is, and it shall always be mandatory to repent. There's no forgiveness without repentance. You can't ask God to forgive you of sins that you have no intention of repenting of. That's foolishness. That's the equivalent to asking God to allow you to continue in your sins. Jesus came to forgive sin. He didn't come for sin to continue. Now, now please understand, I'm not talking about perfection here this morning. Only Jesus was perfect, tempted in all points like you and I, and yet without sin. And I'm well aware that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm well aware that, that salvation uh, is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and that it cannot be earned. It's a free gift, but we need to be careful. And I say that sincerely out of love, that we don't end up following the pattern that so many church people get caught up in, where we're faithful to attend church, but we've omitted the weightier matters like love and forgiveness and repentance and obedience. That we have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. James says that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We need to be a people who have given our hearts to Christ and we're committed to following his commandments. Are we new creations in Christ or are we not? You know, over 35 years ago, when I walked away from the Catholic Church, as perhaps some of you also did, I did so because I understood then that there's a difference between religion and relationship. We need to be careful that our walk with the Lord does not gradually turn back into one that's more of religion and routine rather than relationship. Am I getting through? And despite what's being preached from the pulpit these days, with the, with the goal often being the largest crowds, let me tell you what God's Word says and what men of God, including Jesus himself, had to say about the changed heart. And, and, and by the way, and I mean this, I would rather attend a church with 50 people who are serving the Lord and where the gospel is being preached in all its fullness and, and, and people are baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost than one of these mega churches where people are getting their ears tickled every week and they're, and they're being told what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. And they're operating without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's start with the one who came to prepare the way for Jesus, John the Baptist. Now he's the one that Jesus said, of those born amongst women, he said there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. 
How do you like those credentials? And what was John's message? Matthew chapter 3, verses 1, 2, 3, 1 through 3 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the ways of the Lord. Make his path straight. John's message was simple. Repent. Change your hearts. Turn to a new direction. John said the axe is laid to the root of the trees, that every tree that does not bring forth good fruit, it's cut down and thrown into the fire. And John wasn't just preaching. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, pleading with the people, make straight the ways of the Lord. Somebody say, praise the Lord. So, so now that we've warmed up, let's go right to the very top. What was Jesus' first sermon and message to the people? It wasn't the Sermon on the Mount as recorded in the fifth chapter of Matthew, where Jesus taught us about heaven and hell and love and forgiveness and the consequences of sin and so, so many other things he wanted all of us to know. But before Jesus ever preached the Sermon on the Mount, Right after he, he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, the very first sermon that Jesus ever preached is found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach. And I, I want to repeat that because I want to make it clear that this was Jesus' very first sermon, so we're all clear. It says, from that time, Jesus began, underline the word began, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, now, I hope you don't think that the very first thing Jesus preached, which was to repent and to turn to a new direction and to change our hearts is to be taken lightly. Jesus wants a changed heart, and guess what? He wants all of your heart, not just some of it. You know, every so often we need to examine our hearts, Amen. The same way you may go for an annual physical and, 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 and get checked up and get your heart checked to make sure that everything's well, once in a while all of us need to take a spiritual cardiogram. Amen? We need to check our hearts. Matthew chapter 15 verse 18 through 20, Jesus said, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. These are the things that defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. You see, I don't want to see any of us miss out on all God has for us because our hearts are not right with Him. And I can tell you this morning without even a doubt, there is power in obedience. There is tremendous power in obedience. There's peace in obedience. There's anointing in obedience. And obedience brings you the favor of God. How many want the favor of God in their life? At least half of you. The psalmist says, the psalmist says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me tell you, you dwell in the secret place of the Most High when you live in obedience to God. And when that happens, you abide 
under the shadow of God Almighty. Psalm 34, 15 and 16 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Psalm 84, 11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Don't miss this. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You, you want to keep on the right path? Memorize those scriptures and keep repeating them. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. There's blessing and obedience. Now, now, what did the apostle Paul say when we come to the Lord's communion table? Now, who is he talking to if he's talking communion? He's talking to the church, Amen. He's talking to the believers. And what did he say to do before we partake in the Lord's Supper? He says, let a man examine what? His heart. Let a man examine his heart. Now, now the, the scriptures are very consistent here. Because with all of the miracles Jesus did, miracles never before seen, blind eyes open and dead raised to life and walking on water and calming the storms and casting out demons and cleansing the leopards and the, the list goes on and on but what was the very first miracle jesus ever did it was at the wedding in cana of galilee and what did jesus do he turned the water into wine now, now, I don't know about you, but I don't think it was just a coincidence that Jesus' very first miracle was the miracle of change. To change something from one state into something completely different. In this case, water into wine. There, there are virtually <coughs> no similarities. Once they're changed, they're completely different. And I believe that Jesus is letting us know that before all the other signs and wonders and miracles would be done, the first miracle, and perhaps the most important miracle, is the miracle of change. Now, if you don't believe that this morning, take a look to your left and to your right and all around you, because all around you are living testimonies of God's miraculous transforming power. Lives that were once living in sin and guilt and shame. Maybe depression and fear that have been totally set free, totally transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So the first sermon and message that Jesus gave was to repent and to change our hearts. And the very first miracle Jesus did was the miracle of change. That's no coincidence. And this message of change and repentance, it's consistent all throughout Scripture. What was Peter's first sermon and instruction to the people right after he was filled with the Holy Spirit? I, I mean, here they were praising God in tongues, and here's what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But what was Peter's first message? Repent. Change your hearts. Then give public testimony through water baptism. 
giving people testimony of your newfound faith in Christ and letting them know that when you went under the water, an old man had died and was buried. And when that old man was buried with him, when all of the sin and all of the shame and all of the guilt and all of the past, dead, buried, gone, and when you came up out of the water, a new man had risen in newness of life, and now you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. Peter's message turned to a new direction. You know, I have personally heard pastors of mega churches, and, and not just one, with, 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 with TV audiences, huge TV audiences, say, living in what God's Word clearly says is sin, it's okay. God understands. He accepts you just as you are. No need to change. You're saved anyway. In essence, they say that repentance, it's not necessary, and they even quote Scripture just to sweeten the pie. They say, they, they even quote, quote Scripture, they say, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You talk about taking the Scriptures out of context. Just believe in Jesus' existence. That's it. Nothing else to do. Let me ask you all a question. Doesn't the devil believe in Jesus? Doesn't every demon from hell believe in Jesus? Does that qualify them as saved? God help us. To get a proper understanding of God's word, you need to read all of it, and all of it fits together perfect. But if you pick out bits and pieces of God's Word and you omit scriptures that clarify what God's Word says, like so many do today, you're going to end up with a distorted gospel that's no longer the Word of God. Amen. And for those who don't know and read and study or understand God's Word, as is most of the church world, they will fall victim to false teachers and false prophets who show up in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. And yet plenty of people are content to change God's Word, to omit parts of God's Word or falsely interpret what God's Word says so that God's Word can conform to their sinful lifestyle instead of changing their sinful lifestyle to conform to God's Word. Am I getting through? So, so we have some of the most popular, successful preachers saying it's okay not to change and repent while Jesus Christ himself said, repent and change your heart. Peter said, repent. All the disciples said, repent. John the Baptist said, repent. And the apostle Paul said, we're to become new creations in Christ. Please don't get caught in a religious routine and fall for the new teaching that promotes religion rather than relationship. Jesus said, if you love me, he said, you're going to keep my commandments. You know, it's easy to see why Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. John chapter 9, verse 1 through 7 says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who, is, who sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
And when he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, now th this had to be one of the strangest things that Jesus did, and yet we know that everything that our Lord and Savior ever did, it always had meaning and purpose. I mean, Jesus could have stretched out his hand or spoke the word, and this man would have been instantly healed and received his sight. Am I right? There's no doubt. In every healing that Jesus did that I could think of, it was never anything more than take up your, take up your bed and walk. To the lepers, be cleansed, and they were cleansed. To Jairus' dead daughter, rise up, little girl, and she rose. Lazarus, four days in the tomb, already starting to decay. Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus came forth. You remember the man with the withered hand? Jesus said, stretch it out, and he was instantly healed. But now, Jesus makes clay with saliva from the ground, and he anoints the blind man by putting mud or, or clay over his already blind eyes. Now, if this man wasn't blind and Jesus put clay over his eyes, still he wouldn't be able to see. And Jesus says, go and wash. There was another step that he needed to take before his physically blind eyes could be opened. He would not be able to see until the mud or the clay that were covering those eyes was washed away clean. And it's as though Jesus is letting him know that there is another blindness far more serious than physical blindness. It's called spiritual blindness. There was a darkness beyond the physical darkness. So Jesus says, go and wash. In other words, get rid of the clay. Get rid of the mud. Get rid of the dirt. Wash it away. There needs to be a change in the spiritual, and then I'll take care of the physical. And once this man washed away the mud that was covering his eyes, representing spiritual blindness, Jesus healed his physical eyes and he received his sight as well. Because Jesus taught us the importance of, the importance of change. And the mixing of Jesus' saliva to make the clay seems to serve as a symbol of the human body of Christ serving as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. You remember Saul of Tarsus? He's the one who got knocked right off his high horses while on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. Struck down with blindness, led by the hand for three days. But his spiritual eyes would soon open as well as his physical eyes. And when they did, and when they did, he went on to become the great apostle Paul who wrote almost half this New Testament. He went from persecutor to promoter. You talk about change. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 is a simple but yet a life-changing scripture if you can get it. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know, many of us spend way too much time and effort on, on so many earthly issues. Work, business, money, our problems, our troubles. We spend so much effort and time. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Make him first, not twelfth on your list. 
Make Him the Lord of your life and set time aside to get with Him in prayer. Read His Word. Do His work and seek His will for your life. And when you do, all these other things that we spend so much time working for and laboring for and worrying about, all of them, if they're in God's will for your life, they'll simply be added to you. Yeah, but Pastor Bob, you don't understand. With my schedule the way it is, I can't even take care of what I have on my plate now with all of my time dedicated. I, I just don't have time to give to God and His work. Let me enlighten you to something that I found out a long time ago and the hard way. You can never outgive our God. Whether it's your time, whether it's your talent, or whether it's your money, when we give to God, God gives back to us and more than we need. You make time for Him. You, you make time for Him. Make Him first, and He'll give you back more time than you know what to do with. Because He's the one who lightens the burden. He's the one who closes doors, saving us all kinds of trouble and messes that we would probably get ourselves into. He's the one who opens doors easily that could take us months and perhaps years to open if we could open them at all. And let's not forget, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever think or ask. But He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. He wants a people who love him enough to serve him and to keep his commandments. So how do we know, how do we know when we have a changed heart? When you love one another the way he said to love, right here from the heart. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. You know, you know, it's not what title we hold in the church or our knowledge of the scriptures or even what ministries we serve in that's going to define us as disciples of Jesus Christ. But it's the love that we show and have for one another. That's what's going to define us as his disciples. That's change. You have a changed heart when you forgive, not just in word. I forgive, but I don't forget. I forgive. I just don't want to see them anymore. That's not forgiveness. That's not the forgiveness that comes with the changed heart. You know what that is? That's religion. The changed heart says, when you hung on that cross, Lord, and you said, Father, forgive them all, I also will forgive everyone who offends me, and I do so simply because Jesus said to, and that's enough for me. It's done. That's change. You got a changed heart. When you say, Lord, I'm going to keep your commandments because you said, if we love you, we will keep your commandments, and I love you, my Lord. Amen. See, that's change. That's a changed heart. You have a changed heart when, when you love your enemies and when you bless those who curse you and when you do good for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. And you do so because Jesus said to. Change is when you take up your cross, not weekly, not monthly, not just on religious holidays, but change is when you take up your cross each and every day and you follow after Him. Jesus said, when you bring your gifts to this altar right here, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, He said, go your way. Leave your gifts at the altar. First go out and get reconciled to your brother, and then come back and bring your gifts. But what is Jesus saying? 
It's really simple. You see, church, God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We cannot worship God in truth if a part of our lives is in lies. When we come to this altar and bring our gifts, whether it's the gifts of praise and worship, or whether it's our tithes or our offerings, or whatever gift you may bring, but when you come to this altar with your gifts, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, if, if you're harboring something in your heart, there may be hatred or animosity, or there's anger or non-forgiveness, there's something here that you know as a follower of Jesus, does not belong. Jesus says, leave those gifts at the altar. Put that on hold. In other words, hit the pause button. As important as those gifts are, as much as God inhabits the praises of his people, there are weightier matters. Get out there. First, get reconciled to your brother. First, show the love that I have taught you. First, show the forgiveness that I have taught you. Make it right. Change your heart and then come back to the altar and bring your gifts. You see, simply said, God doesn't want your gifts without your heart. You know, we could walk into church every Sunday morning with our best clothes, Bible tucked under our arm, and everybody could think that we're the perfect example of what a man or woman of God should be. And, and that's all very nice, but we need to remember something. God knows our hearts. He knows our minds. He knows what's going on inside. In the book of Acts, the fourth chapter, it says that many of the new believers actually sold their homes and their possessions, and they came and they laid the proceeds at the apostles' feet, and, and distribution was made to each as they had need. Now, can you imagine this? Well, it's getting quiet. Don't worry, Pastor Maria is not going to ask you to refinance your house or take out a big loan and bring all the proceeds to the church. That's not where I'm going with this. But I do want you to see the position of their hearts. I want you to see the difference in the very early church. Because once they met Jesus, he was so important in their lives. He meant so much, and they were so sure that eternal life was just around the corner that they didn't care anymore about any earthly possessions. They said, sell them all. Give them to the apostles. Let everybody take a little so that there's no lack. I don't care about those things anymore. I found something of far more value than anything that this world has to offer. I'm not talking money. I'm talking about their hearts. And God worked mightily amongst them. Signs and wonders and miracles were a constant occurrence instead of an occasional occurrence like we have today. Let's be honest. So what's changed? It wasn't a diminishing of God's power or God being less willing to pour out His Spirit with signs and wonders and miracles today than He was back then. No, because God has never changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Malachi, God says, I am the Lord. I do not change. But what has changed is the hearts of His people. If we could give all our hearts and lives to him and make him first like the early believers did, we're going to see God work amongst us like never before. 
healings and miracles and signs and wonders and miraculous answers to prayer. They'll simply be a part of our weekly services. And, and yes, I know God answers our prayers and heals us and He does many supernatural things in and around our lives. I've, I've seen it time and time again and so have many of you. But I can tell you without even a doubt, and God spoke very clearly to my heart on this, God has so, so, so much more for all of us. He has so much more for all of us. You see, God is looking for worshipers, not just worship. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, Jesus spoke these words to the church at Ephesus. He says, These things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And you found them to be liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. But nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do your first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, who is Jesus talking to here? Was he talking to a group of intoxicated people leaving the local bar at 2 o'clock in the morning? Was he talking to the prostitute or the drug addict? No, he's talking to the church, the church at Ephesus. And they were a hardworking church. They labored for the Lord. They, they persevered and they did not grow weary. But besides all of that, Jesus had something against them because they had left their first love. You know, friends, there could come a time in our life where we get so busy with our ministries and with the work of the Lord and with church, church attendance that we neglect our own personal relationship with the Lord and we lose that intimacy with, with Christ. We lose that closeness and, and we end up omitting the weightier matters. Jesus wants a changed heart. That's why, that's why he told the church at Ephesus, he said, remember from where you have fallen. Repent, change your hearts, turn to a new direction and go back and do your first works. He says, get back to your first love. Now we need to get back to the time when it was just you and Jesus and he was on your mind day and night. We need to get back to the time when sin breaks your heart almost as much as it breaks his. Jesus may be your love, but is he your first love? You know, when I first got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost over 35 years ago at a Jimmy Swagger camp meeting in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, let me tell you, I returned home from that place with the power and a presence and an anointing of God like I simply cannot describe. I mean, everywhere I went, the radiance of God's presence and amazing peace in the midst of all kinds of turmoil and trouble. And it was a time I could stand up here and honestly tell you I was walking in the Spirit. It was a time I can honestly tell you I knew what it meant to pray without ceasing. And the presence and the closeness of God, it simply cannot be described. It has to be experienced. And the amazing thing is that back then, I didn't know Genesis from the book of Revelation. I wasn't serving in any ministries. All I knew was Jesus Christ and Him crucified and my deep love for Jesus. That's it. 
And, and a while back, I had to seek the Lord and say, Lord, why is it so hard to duplicate that peace and presence and that closeness and power of God that I felt way back when, when I knew so little and I wasn't involved in any ministries? I mean, here I was 12 years as a board member and deacon in the church, adult Bible teacher, life group leader, preaching ministry and other ministries. And I'm thinking to myself, yet it's hard to get that old feeling, that old anointing, that old power and that old extreme closeness. And as I spoke to the Lord, as I seek the Lord, immediately God spoke to my heart loud and clear. And, and he took me right to the scriptures that I just read to you. He said, remember from where you have fallen. He said, go back and do your first works. He said, get back to your first love. He said, you draw near unto me and I'm going to draw near unto you. And when I did, the power and the presence of God returned and greater than ever. And I can tell you without a doubt, I ain't never going back. You see, I replaced love with labor. Obedience was covered by grace rather than obedience. Rather than repentance. Obedience was covered by grace rather than repentance. And let me tell you, it can become a routine. And Jesus told all of the churches, I don't have time this morning, it's in Revelation, but he told all of the churches to repent and change their hearts. He told the church of Thyatira to repent, and they did not. He told the church of Sardis to hold fast and repent. He told, told the church of the Laodiceans that they were neither cold nor hot, but that they were lukewarm. They, they were those who knew better, but yet they sat on a fence somewhere in between, and Jesus said he would vomit them out of his mouth. You, you see, church, the message of, of the message of a changed heart and repentance, it needs to be taken seriously. And it's a message that has never changed. The only thing that has changed about God's message to repent and change our hearts is man's attempt to distort what Jesus and all the disciples consistently taught and preached. So as I close this morning's service, I want you to understand something. I didn't bring you this sermon to beat you up so that you could leave here feeling defeated this morning. That's not what this is about. I brought you this sermon to lift you up and to wake you up and to remind everyone that all of us need to examine our hearts. We need to examine our hearts. And you know what? Some of us need to go back and do our first works. Get back to your first love. Some have let this message of forgiveness and grace gradually lead to a message where repentance and a changed heart is missing. And so as God's Spirit moves through this place this morning with powerful conviction, perhaps some of you will have to admit, I'm only half in. I've been sitting on a fence, one foot in and one foot out. And let me tell you, it could be a lonely and a difficult place to be. I know because I've been there before. I know what it is when the outward appearance doesn't match what's going on on the inside. And I don't want any of you to make that mistake. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's what Jesus said. 
You know, it's easy to get into a routine and fall asleep behind the wheel. To replace intimacy and closeness with Christ, with our labors for the Lord or with church attendance. But when our hearts are pure, when our hearts are steadfast, when Jesus is our first love, and when Jesus is right here in our midst, I am telling you on the authority of God's Word that these hands right here, these unworthy hands and your unworthy hands can become an extension of His hands. But they need to be holy hands. God's Word says we shall. It doesn't say we might. It says we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall recover. God's Word says we should pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. And when we do, demons are going to have to flee. When we do, strongholds will be broken. Captives will be set free. And we'll finally see those who we've been praying for, who are following dead religion, finally come alive through the work of the cross. And the good news is that we can make it right with God right now. Do you want to leave the same way you came in? Or do we want to leave changed? I'm talking about closeness and intimacy with our God. And you know, I believe that some of the hearts that need to change, maybe those who are even faithful to church attendance, and perhaps maybe even some of those who are serving. Now, now that's between you and the Lord. But we need to be honest this morning. We need to be honest before our God. Are we looking for victory? Are we looking for change? And because if we'll examine our hearts and make a commitment, Lord, as you search my heart, show me those things that are displeasing to you. God wants to get them out of here. I'm, I'm permanently walking away from the things that displease you, my Lord. I'm done. I'm changed. I'm going back to my first love. You do that, and God will restore to you. God will restore to you that intimacy with Him, and you will experience all that God has for you. You know, the hardest part of getting out of a backslidden state is to recognize and acknowledge and admit that you're in a backslidden state. That you may have drifted away. Maybe you've gotten into a routine. You know, when somebody suffers from substance abuse and they seek help and treatment, they say the first thing they have to do and the most important thing they have to do and the hardest thing to do is to admit that they have an addiction. And after that, they can recover. But if, if you're backslidden or if you've just drifted away from the Lord or maybe you've lost that real close intimacy with Him, don't let the devil lullaby you to sleep into thinking that you're okay. It's not okay recognize it and return it's that simple the prodigal son stepped out of the mud to go back to his father to beg for forgiveness and his father was there waiting for him with open arms i'm here this morning to tell you that god is waiting with open arms for some of his people to come back with the real true genuine heart for him a real, true, true, genuine heart. Can you imagine a church full of born-again, spirit-filled believers with true hearts for the Lord, where Jesus is first in our lives, all gathered together right here by the hundreds praising and worshiping our God? Can you imagine the power? This building will be shaken. We'll see sick bodies instantly healed, and we'll see demons run for the hills. And the peace and presence of God will be with us like never before. 
And I can tell you this, it's a lot easier to serve God and live for Him when He gets all of your heart rather than half of it. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Don't miss out on the glory and presence and power and peace of the Lord. Simply said, some of you need to remember from where you have fallen. Some of us need to go back and do our first works. And most important, some of us need to get back to our first love. Can we stand and give the Lord Jesus a big hand of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, and I'm being totally honest this morning, this was not a sermon I really wanted to preach. I wanted to preach a sermon on God's blessing and God's provision for our life and healings and a lot of that good stuff that we all love to hear about. I really did. I, I, I wrestled with the Lord, honestly, because he kept putting it on my heart, and I said, Lord, I'm going to... God... Just, I said, Pastor, let, let, let Pastor Maria preach this one. I didn't want to preach it, right? But God, but God just impressed upon my heart so strongly that he wants us to have a genuine heart for him. Yeah. You know, we sometimes got too much pride. Oh, I serve in this ministry. Oh, I'm this person in the church. I don't care who you are in the church, right. okay? I don't if the devil had the audacity to tempt Jesus and go after him, you could be sure he's got the audacity to come after you. And sometimes it happens gradually, and we could go back, and I believe that some hearts right now are saying, yeah, you know, I didn't even realize that I kind of have drifted from the Lord a little bit. I've kind of gotten into a routine of sin where it's sin, and forgive me, Lord, sin, forgive me, Lord. It became a routine, and, and, and we lost that closeness with God. We lost that anointing, that power, that, that, that overwhelming presence when we walk with God that all of us want, and have, want to have in our lives. And I'm here this morning to tell you that God wants to restore that to each and every single heart that's in the sanctuary this morning and each and every heart that's watching by live stream. God wants to restore that closeness. So before I close in prayer, I just want to see if anybody here this morning who's never given your heart to Jesus Christ, you've never asked God to forgive you of your sin, with a heart of repentance, willing to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent, Lord, and I want to ask you to forgive me, and I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life because I want to walk out of here saved. I want to walk out of here with an anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want to know that I'm a child of God. If anybody here has never given your heart to Christ, I'm going to ask you just raise up your hand and wave it at me for a few seconds so that I can see it. Anybody here this morning? Uh, thank you, young man. Anybody else? I, I want to give the Holy Spirit a chance to move through this place. Anybody here for, for, to receive Christ this morning? Anybody? Let the Spirit move through this place. This is between you and God. There's Holy Ghost convicting power here this morning. Anybody else for the Lord? I just want to give us another second to see if anybody else wants to give their heart to Christ. Anybody? If you are, just hold your hand up. Okay, well, we had one person that raised their hand for the Lord, and you know what? I'm blessed by that, and I know that there's rejoicing in heaven because the Bible says that the angels rejoice over just one sinner, just one. 
that comes home. So there's a little celebration going on. But I'm going to ask all of you, and I'm going to ask this young man especially, to repeat after me as I, as I, as I speak these words. And let's open up our hearts to the Lord. Dear God, I thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for me. And Lord, I am sorry for my sin. I'm sorry, Lord, for a life apart from you. And I ask you, Lord God, to forgive me of my sin. Lord, I believe that Jesus died on a cross and that he rose from the dead and that he is alive forevermore. I ask you to cleanse me in the blood of Jesus. Wash, wash away my sins. I repent, O oh Lord. I'm turning to a new direction. And right now, I invite Jesus Christ into my heart. I make him the Lord of my life. And I promise that I'm going to love you, serve you, and worship you all the days of my life. I declare, according to God's word, that I am saved. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. So now I just want to close the service very simple. Would the worship team uh, come up, please? I want to close the service very simple. I'm not even going to close in a prayer. I'm going to ask you this morning to do something because this is between you and God. It's between me and God. It's between, it's between us and the Lord. I'm going to ask you. I asked the worship team. I picked this song out, and I asked the worship team to, to, to play it, and they graciously are going to play it for us. And I want you to really think about these words, okay? I want you to really think about these words. And the altars are open, and if you want to just come to the altar this morning or you want to stay in your seat wherever you feel more committed, but if you want to, if you want to come to the altars this morning or wherever you are, lift your hands. I want you to listen to these words, and I want you to just put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, search my heart. If there's anything in my heart that's displeasing to you, Lord, I want to get rid of it. I want to please you. I want to keep your commandments, Lord Jesus. I want you to restore that closeness. Lord, maybe you've drifted a little bit. Maybe you've gotten into a routine. Maybe, you know, maybe something in your life that you know has to go. You might even be, uh, you might even be, you know, born again, spirit filled, and you have a portion of God's spirit. But maybe you're going to say, "I want a double portion of God's spirit this morning." Maybe you got a double portion. You want a triple portion. But wherever you are, you want to say, "Lord, I'm going to lift up my cup, and I want you to fill it up with more of you." I want the old fire back. I want the anointing. I want the closeness. I want the presence. And I want to walk with God each and every day. And if that's you this morning, we're going we're gonna to open our hearts with this song to the Lord. And we're going to listen to the words and we're going to mean it. And when this song's over, Pastor Maria will close, will close our service and dismiss us. Just to 
it is all about you Lord God Lord we repent of the things that we have allowed to sneak into our hearts Lord God and take the place of love and devotion that belongs only to you Lord God Lord this morning we are returning to our first love Lord God strip away everything else that distracts Lord God and may our heart and our soul be fixed upon you O God Lord, as we leave from this place, let your spirit and your word continue to work in our lives and make us who you're calling us to be, Lord God. Father, bless your people. Give them a day of rest and restoration, Lord God, and take us out into this world in the power of your Holy Spirit to be a witness for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you, new life. Give a great big hand of appreciation for Brother Bob. Give him a hand of appreciation.
Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.